childhood cancer. I'm Dr. Jeff, and this is my podcast. It's mostly for parents of children with cancer or leukemia, but it's also for anyone else who's involved in caring for children with cancer or leukemia. Yes, that's me, uh, Dr. Jeff McCowedge. I'm a paediatric oncologist here at the Children's Hospital at Westmead in Sydney, Australia. And yes, Westmead, Westmead's just a suburb of Sydney. Basically think Sydney. You know, the place with the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge and all of that. Except that Westmead isn't where the Harbour Bridge is. It's, it's in the suburbs. It's sort of where all the population lives. It's in the sort of population centre of Sydney. And so we're the biggest like children's cancer unit in the biggest city in the biggest country in the biggest hemisphere of planet Earth. Well, except that Brazil's bigger than Australia and the Northern Hemisphere technically is the same size as the Southern Hemisphere, but you know what I'm saying. Anyway, that's our hospital, the Children's Hospital at Westmead. Today I want to talk about neuroblastoma again. And I did an episode on neuroblastoma some years ago, a type of childhood cancer, But today I'm just going to talk about a particular type of neuroblastoma, a very interesting form of neuroblastoma called stage MS neuroblastoma, or it used to be called stage 4S neuroblastoma. S is for special. But first, I might just remind you a little bit about neuroblastoma and what I said in that earlier episode. Neuroblastoma is a form of childhood cancer, The name sounds neuro, doesn't it? It sounds like it might be a brain tumour, but it's not. Neuroblastoma is a tumour that's often found in the abdomen, in the tummy, but it can also be in the chest or the neck or sometimes the pelvis. And it starts from two particular sort of organs in the body. One is the adrenal gland. The adrenal glands sit on top of each kidney And the adrenal gland's normal role in life is to make certain chemicals that they pump into the bloodstream. One of them is adrenaline, right? Adrenal, adrenaline. So adrenaline comes from your adrenal glands. But they also make some other hormones that are important in how we control salt and water in our bodies. And they make cortisol and, you know, a few other things. And that's what adrenal glands are meant to do. But neuroblastoma, this form of cancer, can arise in this adrenal gland and present with a a lump in the abdomen, a mass in the abdomen. The other organ structure that neuroblastomas arise from are these particular nerves that run down next to your backbone. They're nerves called the sympathetic nerves, particular sort of nerves that they are part of this autonomic nervous system The autonomic nervous system is that set of nervous structures and functions that sort of operate in the background without us thinking about it. So if we get a bad fright, it's our sympathetic nerves that do things like make us alert and uh, make our heart rate go faster and prepare us for whatever's frightened us, for instance. So that's the autonomic nervous system, a bunch of functions that happen in the background, a bit like a computer operating system. They're just happening without us thinking about it. Anyway, these particular nerves next to the backbone are called the sympathetic nerves. And those nerves are another place where neuroblastoma can start. And that's how you can have a tumour in the chest or even in the neck or pelvis. It's because those nerves extend into those areas. And neuroblastoma is a form of cancer 
if you excluded leukemia and brain tumours, then it's the commonest form of childhood cancer, actually. So childhood cancer goes, leukemia makes up about 30%, brain tumours make up about 20%, and then there's neuroblastoma that makes up about 8% of childhood cancer. The next thing to remind you of with neuroblastoma is that it's a bit of a hard disease to generalise about. There are all sorts of different forms of neuroblastoma. For instance, you can have just a small tumour of the adrenal gland, for instance, that hasn't spread anywhere else in the body and all it might need for treatment is an operation or maybe an operation and a little bit of chemotherapy, a short course, and the outlook would be very good. And then there are cases of neuroblastoma typically in an older child, older than about 18 months, so a three- or four-year-old, for instance, where the tumour has spread to other parts of the body. So there might be a tumour in the adrenal gland or one of these sympathetic nerves, but it's spread to the bones and the bone marrow all over the body. And in an older child, that's a high-risk form of neuroblastoma. And that's the one that needs very heavy chemotherapy, strong drugs, long drugs, big operations, immunotherapies. That's the high-risk form of neuroblastoma. So it's not a disease where you can just sort of lump them all together and say, you know, they are all got this high-risk form or this low-risk form. There's a lot of variability among them. And the other thing to remind you of is that the child's age when we find the neuroblastoma is very important. And we find that the very young children under 12 months, or nowadays it's under 18 months, they have a form of neuroblastoma that isn't as aggressive as what you might see in older children, older than 18 months and often two or three or five years of age. So we know that we need the very heavy treatment in two-year-olds and three-year-olds, but things might be different in a younger child. And then there's that form of neuroblastoma that has spread elsewhere in the body. It's spread to the bones, but it's in a younger child, maybe a 12-month-old. And that form of neuroblastoma might not be the high-risk form of neuroblastoma that you would call it if it was a 2-year-old or a 4-year-old. So it's all pretty complicated and maybe listen to that other episode and maybe I should revisit the subject in another podcast soon. But let's get to this stage MS neuroblastoma or stage 4S and the S stands for special because stage 4S neuroblastoma is a type of neuroblastoma where the cancer has indeed spread to other parts of the body and often it's spread massively in a huge amount to other parts of the body but it's not the same as that high-risk form of neuroblastoma. So let me describe it to you. Firstly, stage MS. M stands for metastatic, by the way. In the current neuroblastoma staging system that we've all gone with, we've gone away from stage 1, 2, 3, 4 to a staging system that has tumours that are L1 or L2. And an L1 tumour is the sort of tumour that's not wrapping around really important structures. So it's not wrapped around blood vessels or the spinal cord or something. It's just sort of sitting there as a lump. 
whereas an L2 tumour has wrapped around major blood vessels or nerves or the spinal cord or something like that. And so it's, you know, obviously more difficult to remove and it's more capable of compressing structures and damaging structures. So that's the staging system for a localised tumour, a tumour that hasn't spread. You talk about an L1 tumour or an L2 tumour. And then if a tumour has spread elsewhere in the body, we call it stage M, M for metastatic. So the staging system doesn't go from 1 to 4 anymore. It's L1 and L2. And then if it's spread elsewhere in the body, it's M for metastatic. Now we come to the MS. It's metastatic, but it's special. Let me explain what the MS patients have when they are diagnosed. These are children who are young. They are pretty much always under the age of 12 months and often they are under the age of 6 months and sometimes the disease is present on the day they're born. So it's a disease of very young children. The second thing is that the disease has spread from the main tumour where it started but it only spreads to three places. It can spread to the skin, it can spread to the liver, and it can spread to the bone marrow. Remember the bone marrow is that mushy stuff inside your bones. That's the bone marrow. It can spread to the bone marrow. But it doesn't spread to other parts of the body. In particular, it doesn't spread to the outside part of bones, the bone cortex, that's called. So if you cut a bone open, like when you have that, you know, osso bucco meat dish, there's the hard bone on the outside, that's the cortex, and there's the mushy stuff on the inside, that's the bone marrow. Well, stage MS, neuroblastoma, spreads to the bone marrow, but not to the bone cortex. And we can tell the difference with our scans, by the way. That's how we know if it's in the cortex or just in the marrow. And then the final thing about stage MS neuroblastoma is that that primary tumour is usually small. It's not a big, huge tumour like we see in older children with high-risk neuroblastoma. So the primary tumour might be in the adrenal gland. Often it's just a small tumour, but the tumour has this incredible capacity to spread And so we might see a lot of disease that's spread to the liver in particular, but also disease that's spread to the skin and into the bone marrow. And by the way, when it does spread into the bone marrow, that's another thing to mention, it doesn't tend to be there in large quantities in the bone marrow. It tends to be, you know, 5% of bone marrow cells are neuroblastoma cells again compared to high-risk neuroblastoma in an older child where it might be that 90% of the cells in the bone marrow are the cancer cells. You can imagine they're very sick children, those high-risk neuroblastoma children. So there you have it. Younger child, actually it goes up to 18 months in the current definition. Smaller style primary tumour, involvement of the liver, skin or bone marrow, but only at a low level in the bone marrow. And all of that makes this stage MS neuroblastoma, what we used to call stage 4S neuroblastoma. 
Okay, now why is it special? The first thing to say is that most of the time, stage MS neuroblastoma will be cured. Almost all of the time, this disease can be cured. And in fact, it might be that we just need a little bit of chemotherapy, or sometimes we don't need any treatment at all. The strange thing about this condition is that we've learnt that this condition will eventually just sort of go away. The cancer cells will mature into something that's not cancer and steadily disappear. And so in some situations, we might not need to treat the condition at all. We just need to say to the family, look, this is here, this is what we've found, but we just have to wait and over the next couple of years, it's just going to slowly go away. That's pretty freaky. Can you imagine telling a family your child's got cancer and it's spread to the liver and the bone marrow and we're not going to do anything about it? So it is very important to get all your facts right and know that that's what we're dealing with, this stage 4S or MS neuroblastoma that has a very good outlook. The problem is sometimes when we first find stage MS neuroblastoma, the child can be quite sick. In particular, this disease, when it spreads to the liver, can spread in really massive fashion. The main tumour itself mightn't be very big and the bone marrow involvement might only be small, but one of the things we do see is huge amounts of disease that is spread to the liver and so the liver can be massively enlarged. And this can be a problem. The liver sits up under the rib cage on your right side normally. That's where the liver sits. But if it's full of neuroblastoma cancer cells, it can be huge. It can occupy most of the abdomen. It can press upwards and make it hard to breathe. It can compress other structures in the abdomen and interfere with how the kidneys are working. And of course, it can interfere with how the liver's working, having all that cancer in the liver. So children with this stage MS neuroblastoma can be dangerously unwell when the disease is first detected. They can be struggling to breathe because the liver is compressing their lungs. They can have all sorts of abnormal blood tests. They can have abnormal kidney function from compression of the kidneys abnormal liver function, all sorts of abnormalities can be present that can make the child dangerously unwell when we first find the disease. So we may be able to say that the cancer has a very good outlook and eventually it's going to go away and it's not going to be a problem, but there's that immediate problem that the child is very unwell. And it's for those reasons we have to start our chemotherapy and sometimes with some urgency. Oftentimes these children that are very unwell are the very young children, including newborn babies, for instance, can have this really massive liver. And children just a few months old can have this massive liver, tends to be the main problem, and we need to start treatment. So we start treatment with our chemotherapy, 
but we don't have to give the big-time, high-risk, whopping huge, super-toxic drug doses that we give to high-risk patients who are three years old or four years old. We give what's called an intermediate-risk chemotherapy. They're usually similar sorts of drugs, but not in the big whopping doses. Really all we have to do is give some chemotherapy, and usually the tumour will respond quite quickly, and then the liver will start to get smaller, and then a lot of these problems can start to settle down. And then we give our chemotherapy for a period of time until the child is well and the cancer's been responding. But we don't even have to give the treatment to eradicate it all. We just need to get the child out of trouble, if you like, get them stabilised and well and stop the liver usually from causing problems. And then we can stop the treatment and go back to the original plan, just leave it and it'll slowly go away over the next couple of years. Of course, as well as the chemotherapy, there's all sorts of other things we have to do to stabilise the child during this initial phase. And they may need uh, respiratory support, help with breathing. They may need to be on a ventilator in an intensive care unit, for instance, just to maintain good breathing. I've even had patients who had to have a surgical decompression of the abdomen. They had to actually make a cut so they could move the liver out of the abdomen a bit to take the pressure off the lungs so the child could breathe. So we have to do a whole lot of other measures to keep the child well and to stabilise them in this initial phase and then give our chemotherapy to start that process of the cancer resolving and shrinking and then when the child is well, we can just stop and then monitor things for the next couple of years and usually we can watch this disease just slowly disappear. And by the way, we may not need to operate to remove that primary tumour. Remember I said that there would usually be a primary tumour, maybe in the adrenal gland or somewhere else, and it usually won't have been a very big tumour. We don't necessarily need to go in and operate to remove that tumour the way we would in an older patient with true high-risk disease. Indeed, sometimes we can't even find a primary tumour, It's just a tiny tumour somewhere with an incredible capacity to spread to the liver, bone, marrow and skin. But other times it's just a small tumour and it probably will shrink with the chemotherapy and oftentimes we wouldn't need to really think about operating to remove it. The next thing to say is that we need to know something about the biology of the tumour. In neuroblastoma, we talk about the stage of the tumour, stage 1, 2, 3, 4, or L1, L2, and M. And we talk about the age of the child, that's important. But we also talk about the biology of neuroblastoma. And the biology means the tests that we do on the tumour cells, looking at the DNA makeup of the tumour cells. So, for instance, a very important test is to look for something called the NMYC gene. That's capital N and then M-Y-C, N-MYC gene. And the worst of the worst neuroblastomas have multiple extra copies of the N-MYC gene in the tumour cells instead of having just two like a normal cell would. That's called N-MYC amplification. Not something you see in stage 4S neuroblastoma really. But then there's a bunch of other DNA tests that are done 
There's particular DNA tests for something called loss of heterozygosity or LOH. And then we want to know the DNA content of the cells because sometimes the cells have more DNA in them than normal cells do. So there's a whole complex battery of these biology tests that you do on the tumour. And, and these tests help us to determine how much chemotherapy to give. Do we just need two cycles, like I was saying, and then just let the cancer slowly go away? Or do we give four cycles or maybe eight cycles of treatment? So these biology tests are really important, and that's one of the reasons we like to obtain a biopsy of the tumour. So we can do these biology tests. They're very important. Now, the problem is sometimes the child is too unwell and it's not safe to do a biopsy. Biopsying a liver in a critically ill child can be dangerous. It can bleed and that can cause big problems. Sometimes we have to just give our chemotherapy and do the biopsy, uh, you know, several weeks later when the situation's improved. But usually we would like a biopsy at some point so that we can do these biology studies. But sometimes we have to embark on treatment based on the fact that we've seen this a pattern of disease and we've got raised urinary catecholamines and altogether it adds up to neuroblastoma even though we haven't even done a biopsy. That may be enough information to start treatment. So to summarise, we're talking about a particular form of neuroblastoma called stage MS neuroblastoma or stage 4S neuroblastoma. It occurs in children who are under 18 months of age in the current staging system, but it used to be under 12 months of age, and very often they're under 6 months of age. The primary tumour is only a small tumour or maybe a medium-sized tumour, but there is spread of the disease, but only to three places. It doesn't have to go to all three, but it can go to all three. That is the skin the bone marrow, and not in a large amount in the bone marrow, and the liver. And the liver is often the one where we see the really massive disease. And so that whole pattern of disease and disease spread, that's what we call this stage MS neuroblastoma. At initial presentation, when we first find the disease, sometimes the child can be dangerously unwell, often due to compression by the liver on the lungs and the rest of the abdomen. And that can be a, a really dangerous time and that can go on for some weeks. That's particularly the case in the very young children, by the way, the newborns, the children under about two or three months of age. So the child may need a lot of intensive support to be stabilised and supported through that early phase. And that's the big danger time. But if we can get past the danger time, the disease actually has a very good outlook. Just about all children with this disease will be cured. We normally need to give some chemotherapy in those situations, but not very much, not whopping high doses like a high-risk patient, but give some chemotherapy to start the disease towards maturation. And then we can just watch the disease slowly go away. There's even some children who don't need chemotherapy at all. These are ones that are usually a bit older and where the degree of involvement of the liver isn't so much that it's causing a particular problem. So there actually are children where we can just wait and watch and know that the cancer will slowly go away over the 
next couple of years. So we'd be seeing them pretty often and doing scans and confirming that it's going in the right direction, but we mightn't need to be giving chemotherapy. That's it. Stage MS neuroblastoma, S for special. Very favourable group after those initial few weeks, which can be the danger time. So I'll leave it there and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye now.